Today's message, it's our final message on the culture code. Uh, now, we have 10 there, but our last one, you can't really read it there. It just really says that we, we feel these culture code is important and we're going to protect it. I'm not going to preach a message on that. So our last one is on number nine, which says we are a multicultural church. And uh, we're going to talk about that today. What does that mean? And what does God's word have to say about a multicultural group of people worshiping? And once again, of course, his word has lots to say about it. So remember, our mission here is to help people find and follow Jesus. And if we're doing that in the community of Slave Lake, then we should most definitely be a multicultural church. Because Slave Lake is multicultural. I mean, Alberta, Canada. So we should be able and willing, and I believe we're doing this really good, by the way. Uh, God brings all kinds of people into his faith, his church. Now, the first point I want to look at of what God's word says is this. The message of Christ and salvation is for all people and all uh, cultures. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 3 We read about God speaking to Abraham, and this was prophetic. It says, The Lord said to Abraham, Leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Everybody say all. All families were going to be blessed through Abraham. Now this was prophetic to the fact that Jesus would come from his lineage and would be the savior for all people. You see, Christianity is not a one culture faith. Christianity, the message of Christ was for all cultures. Luke chapter 2, verse 9 to 12, we jump ahead in the story, and the angels are now announcing the birth of Jesus, and they once again let us know it's for all people. Verse 9, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find the baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. You see, Jesus was born to a Jewish family, but he was the Son of God. And Jesus would come for all people. The message of salvation and forgiveness of sin was not only for the Jews. Luke chapter 2, verse 25 to 32 says this. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was a righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. 
So when Mary and Joseph came to present baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arm and praising God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. And he is the glory of your people, Israel. You see, Jesus came as a savior for all nations, not only a few. Jesus was God's son for his people. Because you see, we are all God's people, God's creation. And Jesus, as he finished his ministry here on earth, he had risen from the tomb. He's ready to be seated with the Heavenly Father, and he gives his final message to his followers. And of course, you hear me read this verse lots. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all commands that I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Go make disciples of all nations. You see, this gospel message is for everybody. From every background, from every race, this is for mankind, humankind. Now, when we talk about cultural diversity and differences, I need to also make this point, and it's that we are called to be one in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3, 26 to 29, it says, You are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ. Like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. So what is he saying here? Simply this. Now, he's not saying there will never be a Jew, or there'll never be a Greek, or there'll never be a male or a female. Obviously, we know that, right? We get that. Those things are real, and there are different cultures and backgrounds, and yes, they're still male and female. But we are all the same in his eyes, and we can be one. We can be unified together worshiping Him. God sees each of us as special and important. He does not treat you differently because you're a Jew or a Greek. He does not treat you differently because you're a male or a female. He sees you as special, His child, His creation. Anyone who's ever had kids knows each one of those kids is completely different, yet you love them the same. And each of them is special and amazing. The same for you and I. Each of us comes to the body of believers with a different background. Each of us comes and brings what we have, and it makes something amazing. You see, if we were all the same, it would not be amazing. It would be boring. 
Think for a minute, what makes an amazing picture? I don't know if you guys have pictures on your walls at home or you've ever been to an art gallery. What makes an amazing picture? The fact, generally, that it has so many different colors. It has aspects to it that come together to create something amazing. None of you would hang a picture in their living room that's completely blue. Well, we believe in unity and we wanted everything to look the same. Unity is not everything the same. Unity is everything different coming together to make one amazing picture. And oh my goodness, I am thankful we are not all the same. I'm thankful that each of us has different gifts and each of us is different. So we are one even though we're different. Colossians 3 verse 8 to 15 speaks to this a little bit. It says, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Now listen to verse 12. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. We are different, but we come together to make one body of believers, one family. And there's two things in this last portion of Scripture that stand out that can cause us to have great unity, even though we're completely different. Was anybody reading along and caught those two important things? Love and forgiveness are the two things necessary for different people to be able to come together and have unity. So we are a multicultural church. We can have unity and worship God from different backgrounds. We do it by having love and being able to forgive. Because here's the thing. You cannot bring people together from different backgrounds and ideas and the way they grew up and expect there to never be a different opinion or expect there to never be um, a disagreement. You see, you can't come to church and think, I'm going to go to this church and it should be perfect. Nobody should ever say anything that I disagree with. Nobody should ever say something that offends me. That's impossible. If that is your mindset when you came to this church, you're probably going to leave and go to another church soon because the pastor will definitely say something that offends you. Why? My background is probably different than yours. Maybe I grew up where they said certain things that was okay, but to you, that's not okay. You see, unity is not that we all agree on everything. 
Unity is that we love and we forgive. And we come together with a purpose. You see, what God makes here is amazing because we can come from all different backgrounds. Maybe you grew up in an area where church was done just like this. But we have people who come from another country and church was done like this. And we have people who've come from different backgrounds. We bring it all together and we have a completely different church than any of us have ever been to. You know, this is not the way I experienced church when I was a kid. We don't do church here like Pastor Danny wants. We do church here like the Lord wants and he's brought people together and that's why we have church the way we have. And the unity and the love comes from us saying, we're going to forgive if someone does something we don't like. Because we're not here for us. We're here to worship. And we're going to work on things. You know, I have a little bit of a story that might help you understand this. As a number of years ago, my wife and I were getting ready to do a wedding for a young couple. And we were at the, one of the run-throughs, the rehearsal. And the mom of one of the wedding party came and talked to me sort of privately. And she said, you know, I just got to ask you, because, you know, they're from different cultural backgrounds. Are they going to have a lot of trouble? And I could tell from the way she's asking and talking, I think she didn't think her child should be marrying this other person because they're from different cultural backgrounds. And does anybody want to know what my answer to her was? My answer was, yes, they will. <gasps> she was like, oh. I said, yes, they will. Just like you and your husband did because you came from different families who did things different. <laughs> That's the way it works. And I knew she was asking me because my wife and I come from different cultural backgrounds. She was wondering, listen, any two people who get together, they were raised in a different household, there will be problems. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 28 says, those who marry will face many troubles. You're like, what? There's a verse like that? Yes, we do not read that verse at weddings. I'm just saying. You'll never hear a pastor read that verse at weddings. However, we do read that quite a bit when we're counseling couples later. Uh-huh. Because when two people get together, there will be differences of opinion. There will be misunderstandings. You see, unity and people from different backgrounds working together happens when you learn how to deal with troubles well. Coming into marriage and saying, well, we'll know this is God's will if we never have a problem. That's ridiculous. That's not scriptural. It says you'll have some problems. Having an excellent marriage is a couple that have learned how to deal with issues and problems in a peaceful, loving way. They've learned how to process and go forward when there is a difference, when there is a problem. You see, when you learn that and you understand there will be problems, you're prepared for them and life is way, way better. But let me say this. Couples, learn quickly how to deal with things. Deal with them right away and peacefully. Let me give you an example of 
when things don't work. You see, because huge blow-ups in a relationship should never happen. Like huge fights and blow-ups, they should never happen. They happen when couples don't know how to communicate or deal with it quickly. Here's a pretend story, example, pretend. Let's say the wife hates it when her husband leaves his laundry on the floor in the room. She just hates it, but she is not going to tell him because, you know, once she told him something and he was really grouchy. Just like, oh, I hate this. But I'm not going to say anything. Well, day after day after day, she sees his laundry, she picks it up, and she's starting to build some serious anger. To the point where she sees his laundry and this thought goes through her mind, I'm going to strangle him. You know, she doesn't say that, she just thought it. Then, after a long time of this, and she's smiling, she's thinking, oh, I'm making a peaceful home by not saying anything. But actually, she's not because she's building some serious anger. Then at the breakfast table, many days later, the husband is eating his cereal and he says, "Uh, how come I don't have any clothes? The wife loses all control because of the built up anger, because they don't know how to deal with specific things. And the next thing, cereal is flying. And the husband is going, she's crazy. No, she's not crazy. You need to learn how to deal with it healthy right away. So what would have been healthy right away? Dear, it really annoys me when your laundry's on the floor. And I love you so much, I've put this nice little hamper right here in the corner. You just have to take one step. Work on things quickly. And I'll tell you what, you'll never have an explosive fight again. All right? There's my couple counseling for multicultural church. (laughs) All right. Let's continue. The early church very quickly became multicultural. Now, we understand Jesus was born into the Jewish family, and the Christian message came first to the Jews. But it was for everybody, and very quickly, it became multicultural. Jesus told his disciples, wait in Jerusalem till you get filled with power. So they waited in the upper room in prayer before they ever went out. And the very first thing that happens is the Holy Spirit fills them. And in verse 4, it says this. Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed and said, how can this be? They exclaimed, these people are all from Galilee and yet we hear them speaking in our own native language. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and the province of Asia, Pergia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. 
And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. You see, the Holy Spirit pours out and he says right at the very beginning of the church going on their own without Christ because he was risen. Now with them, but risen, he says, I want you to know this church will be multicultural. I'm going to give you a language you don't know so you can reach somebody who doesn't even speak your language. Do you understand God wants his church multicultural? God's message is for everybody. And we know from that story, Peter then began to talk with them, and there were literally thousands of people added to the church. Because his church is a church that's multicultural. You see, many of those people were from other cultures, but they already believed in one true God. In other words, they'd heard of the Jewish religion, So they believed in the one true God, but they didn't know the gospel message. God didn't stop there. He said, I'm not going to just reach people who believe in God. I'm going to reach people who believe in no God. I'm going to reach people who believe in idols and uh, worship false gods. So he then decided he was going to look for some hardcore people to take this message. And guess who he picked? People like Paul, Silas, Barnabas. And he sent them out, people who were not afraid to risk their lives for the gospel message to go to other nations. In Acts 26 and 17, Paul is telling how he was called to the Gentiles. And he said, I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. God expands, helps them to understand you need to go out to anybody and everybody. They don't have to look like you. They don't have to speak your language. Now, Peter was the head of the church And he was a very devout Jew who had come to faith in Christ. God has to deal with him as well so that he can reach out. Peter is praying one day on the top of the roof and God gives him a vision. And in the vision, God lowers a blanket down and the blanket is filled with unclean animals. You see, the Jews could eat certain animals, but other animals were called unclean and they couldn't eat them. And the cloth comes down and Peter says, no, I I can't eat those. Those are unclean and I have never eaten an unclean animal. It's taken up and it comes back down again and he hears the voice say, take and eat. No, I I can't eat that. I, I don't eat anything unclean. He sees this vision and he's wondering, what is this about? And then God reveals to him, and we hear the words that is spoken. It says, don't call unclean what I have cleansed. Peter's wondering what it's about. While he's wondering, someone comes to his door and says, Cornelius, a Gentile, someone who Peter wouldn't be allowed to associate with. Because you see, the Jews 
believed you couldn't eat unclean things, but you also couldn't be with someone who worshipped false gods who wasn't a believer. You would be considered unclean. When this person comes to the door, Peter realizes, oh, God's telling me, forget what I used to think and go reach these people. You see, in a sense, Peter came from a background that had a little bit of racism there. Let's just be honest. You see, they felt that their people group was better than all other people groups. And we don't even associate with them. But God changed Peter's mind. And as Peter is talking to this group of people, he's telling them about Jesus, how Jesus saves and sets free. And as he's talking to them, the Holy Spirit falls on all of them. They start speaking in other tongues. And Peter's like, well, you can't argue with that. God just touched them. And he said, we better have a water baptism right now. And they water baptize everyone there, bringing them to the faith. And then Peter utters these words in verse 34. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. You see, God is no respecter of persons. God wants every nation to be in his house, in his church. And I hope you know that no matter what your background, you are welcome in this church. No matter where you're from, we want you to come in and feel welcome. Because you see, in God's house, there can't be racism. Let me just talk to that for just a minute. Because if you truly want to reach the people in your community, the people around you, you can't have racism. People will feel it, they will know you're not genuine, and they'll be like, no. None of us can have that. What is racism? I'll give you a really kind of easy definition, simply this. You look at people, and because of how they look or where they're from, you say they're all the same. Okay? Now, usually racism is negative. In other words, you look a certain way, you're from a certain place, you're all the same, and you're bad, or you're all the same, and you're like this, negative. But there's also positive racism. Yeah, I just coined that word. You look the same, you're from the same area, you're also amazing, but I'm going to put a wall around you, and you're all the same. It's not okay. All right? Here's the thing. Well, let me give you an example that's completely made up, because racism can happen in, in many different forms. So let me say it like this. Maybe you work at a job and your boss is bald and he has a beard and he's really nasty to you. You work there for a year or two. After that, every time you meet somebody who's bald with a beard, you're like, oh, this is going to be horrible. You have allowed a situation to actually cause you to be racist toward bald guys with beards. Okay, that's a made up story, but I'm giving you a, a, an idea. That's how it works. So none of us can be like, well, I would never do that. Maybe we have without knowing it. So you have to be able to let that go if you want to reach people and love people. Because God wants us to be a people who look and say, you're one of his. You were created by him and you are created amazing. 
You are an individual. And I look at you and I see, this is one of God's kids. I wonder what amazing gifts he put in him. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what your background, well, saying I don't care sounds rough, but you know what I'm saying. I don't look at that to define you. God defined you when he created you, and he created you special. He created you amazing, because God doesn't create junk. And God does not make mistakes when he creates. If you're like, oh, God made a mistake when he created me. No, he didn't. God made you amazing. Each one of you special. Each one of you different, but special. You know, I've from time to time heard or met people who feel terrible because of the way they were treated or maybe even a parent ran them down and they have this mindset that they're no good. God messed up. No, he didn't. You're special. You're amazing. And you're different for a reason. You know, if you're feeling that way, I want to encourage you today. You're special and you need to tell yourself. Maybe there's someone here today after church. You need to go home and look in the mirror and say, God, you did an amazing job. This is a good creation right here. Just be like, I would never do that. I'm just going to say this right now. If you can't look in the mirror and say, God, you did good. Is that pride? No. If you look in the mirror and you think, I don't like myself. You are actually saying God did a bad job. Stop it. Look in the mirror and say, thank you, God. You did an amazing job. And I'm thankful for who I am and who you created me to be. All right. What does that have to do with being a multicultural church? Oh, it's good. I am so blessed by each of you. I got to finish this message right now. My last point, heaven will be very multicultural. And can I say this? If you don't deal with racism now, you are going to hate heaven because it's going to be very multicultural. And I can guarantee you will be sitting at that banqueting table in heaven and God will sit somebody right beside you that's a different color from a different place. Deal with it now. Revelation 5 8 to 13. And when the 24 elders and the four living creatures saw the Lamb had taken the scroll, they fell face down at the feet of the Lamb and worshipped Him. Each of them had a harp and golden bowls brimming full of sweet fragrant incense, which are the prayers of God's holy lovers. And they were all singing this new song of praise to the Lamb, because you were slaughtered for us. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. Your blood was the price paid to redeem us. You purchased us to bring us to God out of every tribe, language, people group, and nation. You have chosen us to serve our God and formed us into a kingdom of priests who reign on the earth. And then it continues on to talk about an amazing worship time where every person and creature and living thing worships and praises God. You see, heaven will be amazing and there will be people from every nation, language, and it will be good. You and I need to be able to love anybody and everybody, 
no matter where they're from, no matter what they look like.